Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. And one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Good evening, friends, and welcome. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here. Glad to have you with us on Praying for America on this Friday night, the 15th of December. And uh, we're all getting ready for Christmas. I actually want to read a, uh, a Christmas message here and then get into some of the things going on with uh, this 2024 election. we got to be ready. Uh, I'm going to read also a little later about the... Uh, armor of God that we have to have on because I think unprecedented things are going to happen in this next just less than a year before the 24 elections. But we all know the uh, Christmas gospel, the Christmas story. Uh, I want to read uh, a little bit of this here and uh, draw an important lesson from it. It's the gospel of St. Luke starting in chapter 2 verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those on whom His favor rests. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for the fulfillment of the prophecies. We thank you that the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee on that holy night, the night of the birth of Christ that we are preparing with all Christians to celebrate and to celebrate well. Teach us how to celebrate it. Teach us how to acknowledge it. Teach us how to proclaim it. We pray through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. The prophets announced for centuries that God would send his Messiah. Now, the word Messiah means anointed one. That's in Hebrew. If you say it in Greek, it's Christ. Chrism, the special fragrant oil. Christ. We are all anointed. The one who is anointed is given a mission by God to accomplish and given the strength to accomplish it. And the anointing, besides representing strength, represents healing as well, the soothing balm of the, of the oil. Christ is the anointed one. He's the Messiah. And the prophets promised the coming of God's anointed one in order to save us. But on the night 
that this prophecy was fulfilled when those angels announced to the shepherds the birth of Christ. Notice how they said it. They didn't say the Christ of the Lord or the Messiah of the Lord, that is, a Savior sent by the Lord. They said that this Savior is Christ the Lord or Christ and Lord. In other words, the Messiah is not somebody that God sent. The Messiah is God Himself. God didn't just send somebody to accomplish this mission of saving us. He came to do it Himself. And this is how the Christmas gospel fulfills the hopes of all the years beyond our wildest imagination. He is Messiah and He is Lord. He's the Lord of all the nations. He's the standard for our politics, for our voting decisions, for our public policies, as well as for our private behavior. And this is the whole context for us. This message of Christmas lays out the whole framework for us for doing all the work that we do each day, doesn't it? The work we do each day in restoring America, we do because there is a Messiah who is Lord, who has revealed to us His will and shown us His face. And with that presence, furthermore, we gain the courage to endure the sacrifices, and I want to speak a little bit about this tonight, that are going to be necessary in the next 11 months. So, but first, let me just reference two other items that came up in the news. You know, we've been hearing all week about these uh, university presidents uh, uh, under pressure uh, or resigning and all over the apparent failure to educate our college students in America that genocide is wrong. Now, why would we be surprised that they have such a moral fuzziness or a moral blind spot? Decades ago, we took prayer and the Ten Commandments and the Bible out of schools, and there's still pushback when uh, these things are posted in, in, in public, although the Supreme Court has given us a... We've, we've turned a significant corner with the elimination of the Lemon case on religious freedom. We are, we are much more free now constitutionally, although that takes time to, to um, trickle down, if you will. But the Supreme Court has turned a good corner with regard to religious freedom. But you know what I'm talking about when I say that the absence of prayer in the schools, the absence of Bible reading, the absence of the commandments, does what to the education of young people? Does what? Of course you're going to end up with this, but when you add on top of the absence of those things, the left-wing indoctrination, it's not just a matter of who's the university president, although I'm glad they're getting pressure and resigning. It's what's going on in the classroom or what's not going on, especially today. But here's what uh, you may have seen. 74 House members sending a letter to the governing boards of Harvard, MIT, and University of Pennsylvania calling for immediate action um, to remove the presidents of those respective institutions who, of course, gave a reprehensible testimony in Congress. But well, here's what I want to point out. Here's what I want to point out. Of the 74 House members who signed this letter, 
How many do you think were Republicans and how many do you think were Democrats? Out of the 74, they were all Republicans except three. So 71 Republicans, only three Democrats. What's the matter with these Democrats? Of course, a lot is the matter with all the Democrats in these federal positions. What's the matter? You can't raise your voice when college campuses are failing in helping students distinguish the difference between good and evil. But here's what made me really laugh. On Fox website, Fox News describes the letter this way. Now listen to this. Let me just read these, read these paragraphs. And you tell me what's, what's sorely lacking in, in this reporting. 74 House members sent a bipartisan letter to the governing boards of Harvard University, MIT, University of Pennsylvania, calling on all three to take immediate action to remove the president. Okay. The letter obtained by Fox News Digital was signed by 74 House of Representatives members from both parties and specifically calls out the presidents, and they name them, for failing to say if calls for the genocide of Jewish people would violate university policies. Okay. Then they go on to say, the letter was signed by Representative Jared Moskowitz, Democrat of Florida. Steve Scalise, Republican, of course. Josh Gottheimer, Democrat of New Jersey. Mike Ezel, Representative of Republican of Mississippi, and many more. So, in giving a few examples of who signed the letter, they split it equally between Democrats and Republicans. They make reference not once but twice to the fact that it's a bipartisan letter. It's signed by members of both parties. Failing to point out that 71 of the 74 signers were Republican and only three were Democrat. You know, I see this sometimes in my own circles in, in the pro-life movement. We try to paint opposition to abortion as a bipartisan issue. Of course, it should be, at like, just like this should be. The dignity of human life is, it goes beyond partisan politics. But on the other hand, apparently not. Because the Democrat Party is mired in death. Whether you're talking about unrestricted abortion or the apparent inability to decry genocide. Of course, that's all of the same. Understand, that's all of the same moral cloth, isn't it? Isn't that essentially the same problem? And here's where we have to do a lot of connecting of the dots when it comes to the issue I deal with all the time, abortion. We have got to be connecting some dots. It's the same darkening of conscience that's not going to, 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 to be able to rise up clearly against genocide and the decapitation, which includes the decapitation of born babies. It's that same darkness of conscience that makes one incapable of standing up and recognizing that an abortion is an act of violence against a baby and also decapitates children. It's a blindness of conscience, brothers and sisters. When somebody has that blindness of conscience, it goes across the board. But I, I just have to... So, so sometimes we have... Some, some in, at some pro-life events, I've seen some of my colleagues who otherwise do pretty good work. But my goodness, when it comes to politics, they've got no backbone to call out the Democrats. And they want to pretend that, oh, we've got Republicans and Democrats, you know, on the pro-life front. Yeah, you know, once in a while you can find a state 
lawmaker or a, a, even a governor like they had in Louisiana for a while, a pro-life Democrat, or, or you know, sometimes one member of Congress who votes pro-life some of the time. You know, there used to be more of them. Not anymore. It's like, stop pretending. Yeah, there's always going to be an exception to the rule, but stop pretending that this bipartisan support for this, you want to be technical about it? Yeah, if you want to be technical, three out of the 74 being Democrats as qualify technically as bipartisan, but unless you point out this absolutely uneven uh, 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 level of support here, then you're not being honest. You're not showing people what the real situation is, what the real problem is. The Democrat Party hates America. That's the problem. They're sick, they're morally sick, and, 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 and they're infected with Trump derangement syndrome to the nth degree. And this ties into something, there's another news thing I'm going to get to, but let me put that at the end. This ties into something that Tucker Carlson was saying the other day, and it, this deserves really, I mean, we're on this program to pray about what's happening in America. Friends, this deserves some serious consideration. Tucker said, and, 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 and this came from, uh, actually, I, I, I don't even have the note here exactly where, where I got this. Things will happen in the next 12 months that will astonish us. I think this is basically Tucker's message. Things will happen in the next 12 months that will astonish us because it will be capped by the most consequential presidential election in our history. Now, I think you can feel it. I think you can sense it. I think you can see it. There is such a strong tension right now on a, you think in terms of geography, on a tectonic plate level. You feel like under the very ground that you're standing on, the, 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 the pieces of the foundation are pressing so hard against each other disagreements in our country on such fundamental questions like we were just discussing, we can't even tell peace from violence anymore, that something dramatic is going to happen. It can't stay this way, and yet resolving it one way or the other involves such dramatic change at such a dramatically deep level, and we're already seeing things in this election that are completely unprecedented, a top political rival trying to put his other political rival in prison through a weaponized justice system and fake uh, uh, charges and, and uh, indictments. I mean, let me read this again. Things will happen in the next 12 months that will astonish us. I think there's going to be just... We're not even going to believe. It's hard to believe even what's going on now. We're not even going to believe what's going on before our eyes. But here's the more important thing. As Tucker asked, and as I'm asking, and I'm going to answer, what should we do under these circumstances to prepare for whatever is coming? Now, he said, we've all got to become stronger. And that doesn't mean going to the gym. It means being morally stronger. Absolutely. And now I'm going to expand on this next part. One way to get stronger is to get closer to God and to always tell the truth. All right, so let's break this down. Getting closer to God is absolutely essential here. We're not going to be able to get through whatever's going to happen in the next year without being very close to God. Because, brothers and sisters, this nation would not have been founded 
if our founders hadn't been close to God. We recognize this, right? This wasn't the, the result of some simply human strength. What the founders accomplished was superhuman strength, and I'm not just talking about all the battles of the revolutionary period and, and actually subsequent battles too. Uh, we had a civil war and so many other things that happened. I'm talking about the wisdom that is incarnated in our founding documents. Where in the world did these founders, so many of them young, some of them still teenagers or in their 20s, where'd they get this wisdom? To create these documents where the only nation still functioning under its original constitution, yes, it's been amended, but not that frequently. And it's like, where'd they get this wisdom? This is God. They prayed, and God answered those prayers. They entrusted this nation, not implicitly only, explicitly to God. Declaration of Independence, appealing to him four times. Okay, so as a principle, knowing that if we're going to be strong, whatever this coming year is going to bring, and it's going to bring, mark my words, it's going to bring unprecedented and astonishing things. As the other side tries to survive, the left tries to, in a last gasp, uh, 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 wreak its havoc on America and on the world. And as we, patriots and Christians, do everything we need to do to preserve this nation. It's an existential battle. It's a battle of survival. It's a life and death situation. It's not just what party is going gonna, is gonna to have power in our country. It's not just this policy or that policy. No, no, no. This is on a way deeper level. Life and death. The D Democrat Party hates America. People want to destroy this nation. So getting close to God as an overall principle. But then how does that work out in practice? Okay. First of all, then Tucker says this, and he said this in various ways in different uh, of his addresses. Always tell the truth. When you tell the truth, every time you tell the truth, you get stronger, Every time you fail to speak up, you get weaker. And I would add to weaker, you get both morally and psychologically compromised if you can't speak your mind. And let me tell you, I, I see this close up within our, our churches, within our Catholic community especially. It's a terrible, terrible disease right now. It's a plague of clergy especially feeling that they cannot speak their mind because they're going to get punished by other clergy or they're going to get ostracized or going to get punished by their bishop. They punished me, although it hasn't stopped my work or my voice at all. And if, if, if anything, it's magnified it. You know, or, or most of you know, they, they threw me out of the priesthood in the, in the Catholic Church. It's Pope Francis, but he's doing so many crazy things that have so many people confused and upset that uh, that in itself is a vindication. But the, for me, but the point is that so many clergy are not speaking their mind. I will not go a, a day without speaking my mind. But so many clergy are not speaking their mind, and a lot of us are sitting back looking at them, realizing obviously they're supposed to be speaking their mind about certain things, and they're just, they're just appear, they think they're being wise. They think they're being prudent. They think they're saving themselves from punishment. And, and meanwhile, all they're doing is, is making themselves look like fools. Because all the rest of us can see there's issues that have to be addressed. There's problems that have to be talked about. There's answers in the Word of God, and they're not speaking up. There's political parties that need to be challenged. And they're, they're being silent. They're being cowards. They're looking like fools. 
So speaking up, psychologically healthy when you speak up. Morally, it's integrity when you speak up. And it's also an act of love for others when you tell them the truth. Then, how do we spiritually prepare in other ways? Friends, we've got to trust. Increase your trust in God. Because things are going to happen that are going to be earth-shaking. And some of it can make some people lose their trust in God. Does God have His hand on this nation or not? Why is this happening? How can this happen? I think there will be things that we're going to be looking at each other with our jaws dropped. It's how in the world can this happen? And in all of those circumstances, you know, we have to remember what Psalm 139 says. For the Lord, He said, Lord, for you, the night is as clear as the day. That's a beautiful, uh, the night is as clear as the day. When We go through darkness and light. We go through night and day. We go through ups and downs. God doesn't. He doesn't change. So when we're up, when things are going so great, we have such a sense of the presence of God. Lord, you're blessing us. You're protecting us. I'm in your hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Remember, that's the same God acting in the same way. He's always the same, even when we're in the depths of darkness and don't feel any of that. And we've got to be reminding ourselves of that every day. Grow in trust that He is in charge, that He hasn't forgotten us, He hasn't taken His eyes off of us. Grow in trust using those words of Jesus that not every hair of your head is counted, not a sparrow falls to the ground without Him noticing it. So therefore, not a nation falls to the ground without Him knowing it either. God hasn't given any divine guarantees that the United States will continue in its present form. But He has given us a divine guarantee that He is with us and that we can always stay in His hand of protection and on the path of salvation. Trust. Never lose the trust in God. Never lose the faith. Never lose the trust that we can fix this situation. It's dire. It's cataclysmic. It's existential. But it's also savable. That trust is going to be the fuel for the work we need to do to resist the things that are going to be thrown at us in the next year. Perseverance amidst trial. Isn't the whole scripture about that? Reread the book of Revelation. It's all about all these trials will happen. Of course, people differ in their interpretation of the details. But that's not even the main point. The main point is persevere in trial. There will be persecution. There will be suffering. There will be opposition. Terrible persecution. But the faithful will be victorious if they persevere. Then, learn how to feel anger and submit it to the Holy Spirit. Anger is energy. It's not bad or good in and of itself. It depends on what we're being angry at and what we do with that. Anger is energy. Take it. Feel it. So some people try to not feel anger. They think not being angry means, means it's somehow automatically a virtue. Not being angry is not automatically a virtue. In fact... Something wrong with us if we're not getting angry at what's being done to destroy moral values, destroy our children, our freedom, and our nation. So we have to get angry. The question is, make sure we get angry at the right things, and then take that angry energy, go to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Lord, I'm not going to lash out. I'm not going to do evil. I'm going to do good. Help me to use this energy to do good. That's a spiritual practice, again, every single day. Be in touch with your anger. Fuel it, as a matter of fact. By, 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 by learning and facing what's going on. And then, by goodness, use that energy to do good. Have strong connections. 
we're connected here. This is a way of us connecting. We know we're not alone. We're encouraging one another. I'm encouraged by your comments. You are hopefully encouraged by my messages. Our prayers encourage us all. But be connected on a local level, whether you're part of the, uh, you know, your, your local political party or, or, or other kind of group, patriots group, whatever it is. Be part of a connected system when we, so that when you feel you can't take it anymore, you've got people right at your fingertips that you can go to, talk to, vent to, get together with, think things through together, talk things through together, be angry together, and be productive in good activity together. And finally, increase the amount of time you spend each day in prayer. Increase it. Because we've got to be spiritually ready for what's coming. We've got to be spiritually ready according to, and these other items I'll deal with in a, in a later program, according to what Paul writes to the Ephesians. Familiar passage, let's l- use this now as we conclude in prayer. He says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Let me pause here. This is the evil day. These next 11 months, again, mark my word, this is the evil day. Things are going to happen that are going to be absolutely astonishing. Stand firm in the armor of God. And then he goes on to explain what it is. Therefore, stand having fastened on the belt of truth around your waist, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying at all times in the Spirit, with prayer, all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words might be given to me, in opening my mouth boldly, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it declare it boldly as I ought. And that goes right back to the very first thought here of this section. So, friends, we're together. We're all in this together. I'm going to Turning Point America Fest uh, this weekend to speak, be with Charlie Kirk and the gang there. Um, I'll be sharing my remarks with, with you. I'm going to be talking about this kind of thing and how we counteract the cancel culture, which is not only in government, but in the church. So let's turn to the Lord now, lifting up each other in all our intentions, and let's pray the words that, that He gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Thanks for joining me. Have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday. Spread the word about Praying for America. Connect with me on social media, at FR Frank Pavone. And we will talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.